listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Let's give the live odds regarding the ongoing Masters. We've got the, that Vegas leaderboard effectively. Absolutely. And we've got Justin Rose, who was leading yesterday when we came on the air after the first round. He is still in the lead at seven under par. But Jordan Spieth, who was several shots back, is lurking now just two behind Justin Rose atop the leaderboard at Augusta. This is such a great example of the sense that Vegas knows. Yesterday on the show, Jonas was saying, wait a minute, what, what are you saying those odds are? And we looked, and it was like Jordan Spieth was at the point nine strokes back. Nine, right? And he was at the time the second favorite to win the tournament. And I think Jonas, rightfully so, was like, that's crazy, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, it does seem kind of crazy. I mean, it's one, because we (laughs) talked about how some of it is how good the expectations were coming in and how much of it is what you've accomplished so far. And when you're not even through the first round, yeah, more than three quarters is yet to come. But a nine-stroke lead or in this case, a nine-stroke deficit, and to still be the second favorite. And Spieth entering the tournament wasn't even the favorite. It wasn't like the very best golfer by far was um, behind a little bit. It was like the third or fourth best golfer, odds-wise, was behind by nine strokes, and he was the second favorite. Jordan Spieth, now he's behind by two strokes in second place, and he's the favorite. Jordan Spieth, Justin Rose, the leader on the leaderboard, the second favorite. Then we've got Justin Thomas, third favorite. He's actually tied with Justin Rose. And then, oh, I'm going to leave this name for you, Jonas. Will with a Z. Uh, Will Zalatoris, I believe. Oh, yes, Zalatoris. I remember him. <laughs> I believe. Now, don't, don't quote me on that. Oh, I might it have sounded good. That I, your tongue kind of did something tricky, so it sounded good to me. <laughs> he is the fourth favorite. So, Jonas, what's your observations of the tournament, the odds? Dealer's choice. Well, I just think the Jordan Speed discussion is the most interesting because that's the one that we noticed right off the top yesterday was the odds for him were still – there was still a lot of faith in him even in real time on the air with such a poor opening round, which just goes to show that somebody was watching his performances leading up to this tournament. Somebody dismissed what was happening in the first round and looked beyond the quote-unquote box score and identified him as still being a threat – him still being one of the best contenders in this tournament, and lo and behold, they were right. Vegas knows. Vegas knows. We are straight out of Vegas. And Spieth on the prior Saturday won for the first time in four years. So think about that. You don't win in four years. You win last week, and I hear a lot of these golf experts saying, Maybe playing hard the week before fatigues you later in the tournament, right? Sometimes there's a fade because it's one thing to maybe play but not make the cut, or maybe play but it's more like a leisurely walk. But if you're in the lead, even if it's a lesser tournament, it's going to be an energy suck. But still, and then you start bad, you think it would have been like the sense of, see, that was a fluke last week, or see, let down. But the faith was still there. And again, I've been doing this a long time. I've bet pretty much every day since I was 14 years old. I'm kind of past a lot of the Vegas no stuff because I know they do, but that one was a little scary. 
Well, especially when you consider in golf, if this is the NBA, look, you're playing on, you know, the the rim is 10 feet tall. You're playing on the same courts, um, you know, same dimension, same everything. In golf. I saw that in fact, Hoosiers. Yeah, the, it, it, yeah, exactly. But in golf, every course is different and every round is different. So you never know what conditions you're going to get. You never know what you're going to be dealing with there. It, it could be the most picture perfect day a week before. And then maybe you get a little bit of rain. And we've seen rain at Augusta before. Uh, you just never know. So the idea that they were able to identify how he played the week prior at a different course and then show him this course at Augusta and say, all right, this is the guy that we believe has found something, I just think is that much more impressive. Now, another observation in McKenzie pregame.com research. Uh, do we have uh, the matchup that Fez did with McElroy? Yep, Dustin Johnson versus Rory McElroy. How we doing? Doing well. Dustin Johnson was plus two. Rory McIlroy has missed the cut. He's plus eight on the tournament. So what you're saying is, and, and so we've made the cut. We've won the bat. Uh, last time I checked, Justin Johnson still had a few holes to go, but he's looking like he how won't far make the is cut. he? How far is he from the cut line? He's one stroke in front of it. Ooh! But even if he doesn't make it, he's got to get higher than plus eight to lose our bet. So we're and, looking good. And we're at plus what now? Plus two. So we got six <laughs> strokes to give. And how many holes yet? Six last? holes. Last time I checked, twelfth twelfth hole. Okay, this is going to be throughout the show. We like, hey, if you can, here's the here's a sign of a good bet. You bet a guy in a matchup, he misses the cut, and you still get paid. That is a good bet because oh, well, I was going to say, there's a lot of people that throw out bad beats. If you lose this bet, this is a bad beat. If you lose up six strokes, this is bad. I did see I did see Tin Cup, so you know, which again, great movie. I'm RJ Bo, straight out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I want to talk a little bit about the fourth pick in the draft and all the talk now that the Falcons pick is the focus of trades. I think that the difference between this pick and the third pick isn't as obvious and we should discuss. Yeah, and you mentioned the third pick. It was the San Francisco 49ers trading a bunch to move up to number three, presumably, and the rumors are for Mac Jones, the quarterback out of Alabama, which leaves the Falcons sitting at number four. D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution reported earlier that Falcons GM Jerry Fontenot and head coach Arthur Smith are aligned on what to do at that number four pick. The last name of the reporter was Ledbetter? Yeah, D. Orlando Ledbetter. No, I'm interested. There's an actual famous folk musician, um, and his, he went by Leadbelly, but his actual name was Ledbetter out of Texas. I'm guessing, I, I'd like to look into I mean, like he, he's like Hall of Fame type folk musician. Uh, that's interesting. Okay, what, was it, what were the assumptions with the 49ers trading into the third spot? Because typically when you see a, a, a haul, a big amount of picks, a boatload of them, it's up to number one, right? Because now you get your pick. It's your choice. But the assumption was we know who Jacksonville's taken. And at this point, it feels like we know who the Jets are taking. Also, as Jonas said, I think first on this show, to be candid, the idea that the 49ers have a history with the Jets and, and their new head coach. Maybe there was a sense of, hey, who are you guys taking? Yeah, okay, good. We're going to be ready to move up. Who knows? But either way, the 49ers made a statement implicitly. It said, we'll take any of these three quarterbacks. If somehow, some way, Trevor Lawrence falls, we'll take him. 
Zach Wilson, somehow, someway, we'll take him. And then there's a third guy, whoever that is, will take him. So they were comfortable with three quarterbacks. Or they felt the 49ers almost certain or certain that they knew who was getting taken ahead, even if they weren't comfortable. Let's say just for some reason Zach Wilson wasn't their guy. The Jets say, we're going to take him. Then you trade up to three and understand there's a chance, but maybe not. Right? Maybe something's going to happen, but you're feeling good. But we have no idea, and we'll have an odds update on this. We have no idea for sure who the 49ers are going to take. They needed to know who they were going to take in order to make this trade. It wouldn't make sense otherwise. Or at least to be very sure, or quite sure. But we don't know. And as much as I think, oh, what would be the reason for the 49ers to deceive, to let it out that it's pretty much Mac Jones, you know, which is what we're hearing. I mean, Schefter, a guy that doesn't just put out BS, you know, he said it's almost certain or whatever the lingo was. You remember yeah. the exact wording, John? I, I don't remember the exact wording, but I know Adam Schefter and several others have also said it's almost a sure thing that it's going to be Mac Jones. At yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Vegas betting markets do not agree. Now, Mac Jones is getting a lot of respect, but he's only minus, this is to be the third pick. He's only minus 225. So it's saying it's about a 70, a little less than a 70% chance. Justin Fields second, plus 250. Trey Lance third, four to one. That means there's a favor, yeah, but it's not even a clear favorite. An average NBA player has a better chance of making a free throw than Mac Jones is to be the number three pick based upon the odds. So now, if you trade up to four, you got to be what? Comfortable with four quarterbacks. Right? Maybe Trevor Lawrence, yeah. maybe Zach Wilson. But now, maybe you're comfortable, not comfortable with Mac Jones, and you only want Justin Fields. You can't trade up hoping that, yeah, the 65 70% chance that Mac Jones goes to the 49ers is good for us. No, because if he doesn't, if they take Fields, now what? You've just traded a boatload for a quarterback that you don't really want. And it's not even about taking the fourth quarterback, which I keep hearing people, fourth quarterback. No, it's about which of those four because if or five. Because if you want what? If you think Trey Lance is your guy, you don't care if it's the fifth quarterback. You want that quarterback. But there's no way to have certainty of it until the draft night. So my gut feeling is, to whatever degree there's going to be a market for Atlanta's pick at four, that market gets much bigger and there's more demand after the third pick is made on draft night. What do you think, Jones? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think this is – you've got to feel really confident about the remaining quarterback that's going to be there. And if there's real questions about Justin Fields, then maybe Atlanta's in a spot to where it's not going to be as coveted as that number three pick was just because there's a lot of people that are split on that and a lot of people that aren't as certain Justin Fields is their guy. If, in fact, Mac Jones goes to the 49ers, it's clear the 49ers are a full-blown believer in Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Justin Fields has that same believer in the NFL right now that's going to give up what they gave up to move up to four. Well, it seems like the narrative now that there isn't, but remember, it's just like, lucky for me, it's just like a wedding. You only need one person to say yes, Yeah. right? And <laughs> the theory is they're just Justin Fields. There's got to be one team that loves him, and that's enough. It doesn't matter if the other teams hate him. You know, 
Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But Tebow supposedly wouldn't have went in the second round for most teams. But one guy liked him, Denver picked him, and there you go. So I do think it's interesting, though, that come draft night, it's very possible. And I've heard this multiple times. The second quarterback on the board, Trey Lance. Meaning there's a number of teams that if they had the second pick after Trevor Lawrence went, they would take Trey Lance. So you might be able to get with the fifth pick. It seems like the likely fifth pick is going to be, or quarterback's going to be Trey Lance. That might be your second favor. It's just you can't know for sure what's going to happen. Is there? You've talked about this before. How some one of the um, the things that the sports book do that kind of throw people off is they'll give you a bunch of options about whether or not something's going to happen, but they won't offer no. So they won't give mm. you the option for no. Is there an option on whether or not the Falcons are going to trade that pick? Meaning, are they going to move out, and or, or is that something that they look at as too risky, and so they're not even going to give you the opportunity to bet on? It? They are a little. Uncertain. What they first of all, what they typically do is they won't say who's Atlanta taking. They're saying who's going to be the number four pick. Gotcha. Right. So then, if they trade out, it doesn't really matter. It's still who they're going to take. Now they may do something like some books. Hey, are they going to take the fourth pick, or are they going to trade themselves out? But what they're afraid of there is information breaking at unknown times. With the draft, you know when picks are going to be made. Here, though, there could be a trade at five thirty a.m. And now what? Right? Three people bet before you could change the odds. The books are very, and I think rightfully so, yeah. scared of that. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, I'm John Middlecoff, and I host the Three and Out podcast. Do you like football? Do you like the NFL? Do you like the NFL draft? Quarterbacks? Coaches? Well, I talk about it all on the show. I used to work for Andy Reid as a scout. Now I give you my unfiltered and raw opinions on everything that goes on in the NFL. And you know we're talking college football because of how important the draft is year-round. Listen to the 3 and Out podcast with me, John Middlecoff, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, RJ, the situation in Green Bay between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers continues to get a little bit more curious. Aaron Rodgers now hosting Jeopardy, and there's some questions about how long he will be the starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, so we've got some odds. Number one, will Rodgers return to Green Bay next season? Minus 2,000, yes. So 20 wins you a dollar. 100 wins you a Subway sub, as I like to say. So very, very likely. I think the next year is the question. Now, some people are speculating, maybe it's about this year, but Aaron Rodgers is just being stubborn and he wants to make some more money. And you might say, well, wait a minute, RJ. Hasn't Tom Brady taught us all that taking less money helps you win? Yeah, I think so. But there's another way for the Packers to gain spending power. No, Tom Brady didn't care about Robert Kraft keeping the money instead of him. Not at all. What he cared about was the salary cap. There's a finite amount of money you can spend. And yeah, you can kick the can down the road. The Saints have shown you that, but it eventually comes due. Look at Big Ben this year and what he was due. And thus the salary cap is the constraining variable. It's the thing that constrains, that's the limiting factor. So Aaron Rodgers could have, and the Packers could have, renegotiated his contract, 
and then made it where the money that went against the cap this year got deferred, some of it. But you don't get to do that for free. What happens is it takes a further commitment down the road. So it's like you can pay Aaron Rodgers for two more years or three more years. And if you do three, you can pay him less this year, at least salary cap wise. So what's the trade off? Want more commitment? Better now. The Dak Prescott was the same thing. When he was going to be franchise tagged, it was all the money applied this year. Then he made a further commitment, and thus they could defer some of that. And that's what the dead cap is eventually, effectively. So when Aaron Rodgers supposedly wasn't offered that by the Packers, there was a sense of, boy, the Packers, he's the MVP, and they want to get rid of him so badly that they're not going to give him an extension, even though he's the MVP. But then, as we found out, maybe it was Aaron Rodgers who ended up saying, nah, I'm good. And it seems like Jonas, given the quote from the anonymous agent, it it has been Aaron Rodgers being, quote-unquote, stubborn about it. Yeah, it was an article in ESPN from Rob Domofsky uh, in talking with an anonymous agent. He also spoke with a scout, an assistant coach, and a front office executive. And the agent's take on it was that the Packers probably have tried to reach out to create some middle ground as far as restructuring a contract or whatever, but tried to make it work with Aaron Rodgers. And that his best guess is that maybe Aaron Rodgers isn't willing to play ball right now with the Packers. And that and that was what was being whispered even a couple of weeks ago. Because initially there was all this heat on the Packers for not being willing to make that commitment. Yeah. And Aaron doesn't get he he only has one of the best receivers in football. You won't give him another <laughs> one? What's wrong with you? You're sick. It's like, all right, but maybe it's Aaron Rodgers. And then it seems to me that the I don't know. I don't know what it takes. I mean, I guess as a I guess you could say a broadcaster, there's a sense of <laughs> there's a sense of like you get what Jeopardy would take. And I, I have no doubt Aaron Rodgers has a, a ton of qualities going for him. And it just strike I mean, he's a great talent on the field. He might be the most talented quarterback of all time, but I mean, maybe before Mahomes or maybe even with Mahomes. He's had great performance. He'll probably go down, at least performance wise, as one of the top fifteen. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, if he's the most talented of all time and he's going to go down in the top 15, that doesn't sound so good. Well, okay, I'll leave it you to consider that. Now, a friend or an employee at pregame, Mark Green, said of A-Rod's performance on Jeopardy, I just got this quote, terrible, makes the show unwatchable. <laughs> now, again, Mark Green was a big fan of Alex Trebek. So, I mean, you know, maybe no one's going to fill those shoes. But even the fact that the producers thought that he was a viable possibility tells you how much talent this guy has. And you know what? Sometimes being eclectic, sometimes being open-minded is a hindrance. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.